Right, this week's episode of the Lord's Cricket Podcast is with Marcus Truscothic, a batsman who played 76 tests for England between 2000 and 2006, averaging 43.79. He scored 14 test hundreds with his final one here at Lord's. His battles with depression have been well documented and in 2008 he released an autobiography, Coming Back to Me. It was a poignant book and one of the first sportsmen to really open up about mental health. These days it's far more widely talked about and that's clearly a good thing. He's now in his 26th season as a county pro with Somerset. Quite some achievement. I went down to Taunton earlier this summer to catch up with Marcus and chat about his England career and in particular that final century here at Lord's. What I remember most about the day is if there would have been DRS I probably would have been gone a lot earlier. You're listening to the Lord's Cricket Podcast with me, Will Rowe. These are the stories from the home of cricket with the people that made them. Marcus, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Good stuff. We're actually recording in Taunton today, um, your neck of the woods. Mm. This is your 26th season. Yeah, hard to believe really to think that it's lasted so long. I I never sort of saw that this was going to be... Um, the the length of what it would be, I, I sort of joined at uh, 16 years old and um, just wanted to play cricket as much as I could um, and been here sort of ever since really, so um, 42 now and it just sort of you know keeps going and going but uh, you know it does get harder of course the body gets yeah. a little bit more older and the, the knees hurt that every day but um, um, still great fun, it's obviously been a nice start to the season as well so uh, you know, it's, it's always good times when, it's, when that happens. And it's your testimonial year? Yeah, it's an uh, interesting year. It's uh, quite busy, as you can imagine, trying to organise everything and, and be involved in certain events that you you put on for, for people to attend. But um, good fun, nonetheless. It's my second one. Um, I had my first one in 2008. Um, but I'm enjoying this one this time around. And how have things changed playing for Somerset? Um, you started your career in 1993. Mm. Uh, your debut was against Lancashire. Yeah. Uh, yeah, quite quite dramatically, I would say. You know, just the professionalism side of the game is is ever moving forward you know because in introduction of t20 you know the style of play the the athleticism of players um the approach for what people are trying to do and you know trying to invent things all the time trying to find that competitive edge of the game you know it's so much more detailed and professional athletic um that people are just um you know ever improving and, and making that sort of spectacle for people to come and watch because it is fast it's it's furious at times um, and people have then taken it on into the you know the, the longer formats of the game, the fifty overs, um, and then also the four day games and test matches. You've seen much more much higher scoring rates and a lot, a lot less games going into five days. Do you think, in many ways, you were potentially a bit before your time? Listening to you chat there, you were an extremely attacking batsman mm. in a time where there weren't that many around. I can sort of think Virinder Sehwag off the top of my head. Yeah, I guess so, a little bit. It just sort of that was the style I had, and it wasn't necessarily that I was trying to be different or trying to do anything um, outrageous. I was just naturally sort of, you know, didn't move my feet and tried to hit the ball as much as I could. So, um, you know, on good pitches that you generally got here at Taunton, you could manage to do that. Um, not always possible when you went away from home, but uh, it was just a, a, a natural style that I had, and, and it sort of um, it went it led well for one day cricket in particular, um, and then you could obviously adapt it a bit more for four-day cricket as the game went on and growing up you came from a, a real cricketing family was it all was it in the blood mm. 
Yeah, I guess it was. My my dad used to play a lot. He played quite a bit for, you know, sort of growing up with second team cricket here at Somerset. Um, never actually played full-time professional, but, um, uh, you know, played for Canesham Cricket Club where we spent hours and hours with, as a family there um, watching dad or I was playing somewhere else and they'd all be watching as well. So um, week in, week out, when you got summertime, it was just cricket time. You'd be at the cricket club or you'd be playing somewhere else. So, yeah, it was always good fun. Marcus Truscothic grew up with cricket all around him. Born in Canesham in 1975 in Somerset, a real cricketing part of the world, he rises through the age ranks. In 1991, aged 15, Marcus scores 4,000 runs in one season and wins a trip to Lords for that feat. He meets England bowler Angus Fraser, the West Indies cricketer Carl Hooper, commentator Brian Johnston and the then England manager Mickey Stewart. But first, Marcus remembers the dramatic way in which he gets the those 4,000 runs. I, I was never somebody who ever sort of sat down and wrote down all the awards or, or, or the runs that I scored. Um, but mum did. Mum, <laughs> mum collected all the information. And I remember, obviously, I knew going into the last game of the of the season, I needed 85 runs to get to 4,000 in the year. So um, pretty nervous getting into it. And, and I, it was lucky, really. I was 83 with the last ball, and I'd inside-edged it to the keeper. Um, we ran the single, and I was thinking, oh, no, 3,999, that can't be. <laughs> He's out, the keeper's then shied at the stumps, hit the stumps, and the ball's ricocheted off, and we got through for a single to make it a bang on 4,000. But... Um, yeah, very interesting times. You know, to pick up a lot of runs over the course of the year was was pretty special. But to get that trip to Lords, you know, I think I, I might have been there once or twice into the yeah. nets before. But you know, to be in the environment where I was, as with Gus Fraser, uh, Carl Hooper, and Mickey Stewart was there, um, Brian Johnson was there, obviously also um, just to meet these sort of guys and heroes that you're sort of seeing playing, um, watching them on TV was, was pretty special. I got to have a bat in the nets; they they bowled a bit at me as well, um, and it was a special day. We, we've got some pictures back at home in my mum and dad's place where of the of the the photos of the nets <laughs> on the wall, so it's still uh, the memory's still there. Was that the old uh, MCC sort of indoor school then? Yes, it would have been. We we actually used the the nursery nets. Oh, really? They, they allowed us onto you the nets. Onto yeah, it. we were <laughs> just for it was only probably for half an hour, forty minutes. But um, we had a little net outside, also just uh, utilised indoors as much as well. Yeah. And I think Mickey Stewart decided to put you on a training program over the winter because you'd missed out on England under 15s duty. Yeah, something like that. I think obviously that was my first experience really of meeting Mickey. Um, I got to know him a lot more after that through England under 19s, but um, I'd missed out from the England under 15s that year um, because Phil Neville was <laughs> was playing better and 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 got the opportunity to play ahead of me. And obviously his career went in a completely different direction after that. Um, but quite uh, quite strangely, both left-handers, both um, enjoyed playing cricket, but uh, it wasn't to be for me that season. But it then progressed after that pretty quickly, I think. Uh, the next England honours was England under-17s, I think, um, 18s and then 19s and then, and then beyond after. At that point, as a 15-year-old, did you think, you, did you feel you were on your way to becoming an England player? Uh, I don't think so, no. I don't think you ever realised, you know, the of what I could do or... Was it any better than anybody else? You see various players that you play with and play against who score similar amount of runs that you do um, or bowl in a certain way, and you think, well, they're good players. But uh, um, I don't know when that sort of really dawned on me to think that I could go go forward and start um, making a real serious career out of it. Obviously, I've played professional since I was 17. 
Um, it really only sort of kicked in when I was sort of nineteen, twenty, and then understood that what I needed to try and do to up my game and get good enough to to become a professional or who, who could perform year in year out. But um, you know, it quickly it quickly changed after that. In 2000, Marcus makes his debut for England in a test match at the Oval against the West Indies. The following year, he scores his maiden test century away to Sri Lanka in Gaul, quickly becoming a fan favourite for his attacking style and fitting into the dressing room well. His first one-day hundred soon follows. It comes here at Lords against Pakistan. With England chasing 243 for victory, Marcus is at his fluent attacking best, dispatching the ball with his trademark slog sweeps and hitting firmly down the ground. But it isn't enough, as Pakistan win by two runs. So the game itself um, was a interesting game. We I think we restricted them to 240 or 235 or something like that. Um, and then we lost early wickets in the chase. Um, and myself and Oe Shah put on a quite a big partnership, probably about 150, I would imagine, something like that. 97 for three, and this time he repeats it back, could go all the way for six. Great shot. A pull drive into the mound stand. Mm. Call it slog sweep if you prefer, but the effect is the same. It brings up England's 100. It's the first six of the England innings. Sakle Mushtak into bowl to Triscothic on 97. He sweeps behind square. He's going to get uh, possibly four there. Yes, he does. There's his century. A vain attempt by Yusuf Ihana on the deep backwards square leg boundary to stop it. He dived away to his right. He couldn't prevent it from going over the ropes. Triscothic lifts his arms in the air, salutes the crowd with his bat, then salutes his teammates who are all out on the boundary on the left of the pavilion. And that's Marcus Triscothic's first century in one day internationals um, and then it getting so close at the end I was so gutted that we didn't get across the line and I, and I should have I think with a bit more experience now compared to where I was then um, I might have played it slightly different I went for glory yeah. in the final over against uh, Sakle Mushtak tried to hit him out of the ground to try and win the game only to get a top edge and um, Shady Freedy taking a good catch on the running in from deep mid wicket it was a shot that I played quite a number of times in that innings and succeeded by hitting it into the stand. So I went for glory um, and didn't make it, unfortunately. And then we ended up losing a couple of quick wickets after that and I think we lost by two or three runs. In goes Sack Lane again and bowls outside the off stump. Swung away. He's going to be caught, I think, out there on the leg side. Two fielders are after it. They collide and they've taken the catch. Afridi clung onto the catch. Yusuf Johanna is still on the ground. There's a nasty collision out there. Both of them had their eye on the ball, of course. They both went for the catch. Johanna is still a crumpled heap. But Shahid Afridi has taken the catch. That sends Toscothic back into the dressing room. And means that England now needs six off the last four balls. Andy Caddick got out on the final ball. He, right. He was... Um, he was third highest scorer with ten, which says okay. sort of the rest about how yeah. that match went. But yeah. I mean, sort of bittersweet memories, I guess. Uh, it was special in the fact that um, it was so nice to get a hundred at Lords. You know, it's such a special place, um, and it, it's a beautiful feeling going there and playing in front of a packed house for, with your England kit on. You know, that's the 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 beauty of what you get and you get to play. So. Um, but it, to lose the game just takes the edge off it that little bit. Of course it does, but um, you know, picking up your first hundred there is always a nice feeling. 
In 2004, you were given the reins as captain. It mm. was um, Michael Vaughan was injured. It was quite. It was a f- famous test in the end. It was yeah. against New Zealand. It was Hussein's final test. Yeah. Um, what was it like in the build-up to that match? Um, I, well, I think uh, Michael Vaughan went down injured. I think he went to sweep one in the nets and his knee locked out. Um, he'd had some various problems with his knees over the time. Um, so I knew that obviously then I was going to be able to take it on. I was a little bit nervous, as you can imagine, a bit of expectation of what was uh, what I needed to do. You had other players and other ex-captains still in the team, um, and I had to take it on board. There was quite a number of decisions within the course of the game which were really important, one being taking the new ball. I think it was in the second innings. Um, a number of people in the media were quite critical about the fact that we didn't take it. Um, we basically banked on the fact that it would be an advantage not to take it because the ball would fly to the boundary quicker as it as it proved when they when we batted in the last innings and, and we knocked off the runs but um, yeah it was, a, it was a lovely nice bit of feeling because you as captain uh, you take on that extra bit of responsibility for uh, for the team's performance of course not that I'd done it a million times before but just the fact that it was your first test it's at Lords yeah um, you want to win the game and you want to you know, get ahead in the series as we were trying to do at that time. So it was pretty special to get the victory. Do you feel, looking back now on your career, that maybe you could have captained England more? Because I think you only captained England twice, but your name was often mentioned, if not yeah. just media speculation. Yeah, so I think there was a time when uh, when Michael Vaughan took over. Obviously, it was a, names were being branded around myself, Michael, um, might have been Ian Bell or somebody, uh, somebody at that point, but... Um, uh, it turned out to be the right decision, of course it did, and I think it would have been the wrong thing for me to be doing. It was only latter periods of my career when I was at Somerset that I really appreciate what I needed to do to become a captain. Um, I quite enjoyed the the being number two and, and helping Michael or helping NASA or various people um, you know, as the right-hand man, if you like, and I thought that was probably my speciality position more than being the actual leader of the, of the team, so... Um, looking back on it I was almost quite glad that I didn't get the captaincy at that time it would have been nice of course but it probably would have needed me to be playing for another number of years had I not not finished so early Um, then I might have had an opportunity How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.
Between 2000 and 2005, Marcus hits 13 test centuries, wins the Ashes and becomes a mainstay at the top of England's batting order. However, in February of 2006, struck down with depression, he leaves England's tour of India early. At the time, a virus is cited as the reason why, but it's the beginning of a long battle with mental illness that ultimately ends his international career. A few months later, he makes his comeback to Test cricket against Sri Lanka at Lords and scores a century in his first innings back, but his last for England. It was obviously a massive time coming back in, coming back from India previously. But um, that you know that season in particular was always was quite a pivotal moment in my career because it was uh, coming back from a lot of adversity and a lot yeah. of issues that had gone before me. So going back to Lords is special. Even to this day, when you go back playing for Somerset, it still holds that special memories. But going there, playing for your country um, in a Test match is the as big as it can be for me um, and it was always so special because it was a lovely feeling when you're there and there's a big crowd there you're walking through the long room to go out to bat or to field it just holds it in I hold it in such high regard for for what it is so beautiful place Do you think coming back from India because that was the first time you'd left an England tour suffering mm. from depression it was in it was in February of that year the Lord's mm. Test it's May the 11th it's only sort of 3-4 months um, apart, uh, were you? I mean, what were you feeling? Were you nervous? I mean, there must have yeah. you must have been very nervous. Yeah, the yeah. fact that you know I had so much to to try and prove to people that I was still okay to play. Um, always those doubts. I remember doing press days here at Somerset, and the, the start of pre-season that year was always quite tricky. Um, and then obviously you, you, the the pressure then goes up another level when you go back to play for your country when, and that sort of time. So of course, yeah, I was I was pretty nervous um, dealing with things away from the game and also dealing with things while trying to play and prepare in the right fashion. But I guess the biggest challenge was to almost trying to kid myself that I was all okay and you know none of the depression stuff had actually happened. But um, only later did I really sort of get a, a better grip of it. Um, but I still managed to be able to put that all to one side at the time and, and go out and get runs, which was um, quite a special feeling. I think I'd got um, 100 against Bangladesh in that in previously at Lords. Yeah. Um, but probably this one I regarded slightly higher, with all due respect to Bangladesh. Yeah. Uh, playing against Muralithran and, and the people that they had, I was it was pretty special. Yeah, we'll come on to the actual innings now. Um, the England team read Strauss, Truscothic, Cook... Um, it was his first test at Lord, a young Alistair Cook, uh, hard to believe now. Um, Kevin Peterson, Collingwood, Flintoff was captain. Right. Garant Jones uh, was with the gloves. Hoggard, Plunkett, Panisar and Saj Mahmood on debut. Okay. Um, Freddie went out, won the toss and it was sort of business as usual for you. Yeah, yeah. just go out and get on with it. It's always the best time to be batting. As long as it's not been raining and overcast at Lord's, you're always looking to try and bat first. Um what, how many did we score in the day? I don't know. Do you know how many we scored in the day? You'd think I'd have done my research on this one. You've put me on the spot here. Um, I think you finished about 300 for three at the close right, of okay. play. Yeah. You'd scored your century. Um, in terms of you went out and I think you were sort of 90-odd at tea time. Okay. So you came in at nine, on 90 not out. Or nine, yeah. nine, what, nine. what I remember most about the day is if there had been DRS, I probably would have been gone a lot earlier. Yeah. Um, Murlithram, <laughs> once he invented the... The doucher, the one that went the opposite way. Yeah, I never really picked that. Um, I, I find him okay to play 
when he uses a bowler his big off spinner and then the top spinner I found him okay but as soon as he invented the ball that went the other way I had no idea I reckon I was out two at least two times LBW um, and then eventually you get into a, get 100 after that and you're lucky to, to get past that point yeah, he said Rudy Kurtzen on uh, 28, you said you were stone dead LBW. Yeah. This is referencing, referencing your um, autobiography. Um. DRS would have made the <laughs> biggest difference, <laughs> definitely. He's in again now, bowling wide of the crease. Oh my goodness, Bill, great big appeal for LBW. The ball flew off the pad, but Triscothic, uh, in fact, was, was forward, and I think that was a, a rather an optimistic shout by. Murali would love nothing more than to take a wicket before lunch, but uh, I think he would have been. Think he would, I don't think really he could hope for that. Do you, Mike? Well, I think it's a rather good shout, actually. It's his, it's, that, that's the one we call the doozer, the, the other one it's, it's, it's called. It's, and that pitched on and straightened. Here comes Murali again in bowls, and forward comes Triscothi. You went in at tea time, you were on about 90 not out. Um, you were batting with a, a very young Alistair Cook. Mm. Um, what was going through your mind in the, in the Lord's dining room at tea? Um, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't have been up in the dining room. It would have been quite quiet down in the changing room, just right. sort of gathering, um, gathering your thoughts, trying to not really get caught up in the moment too much. Um, I remember being very nervous. The fact that you know you, you're close to that milestone again, um, although it would have been my fourteenth hundred, um, it was still quite an important one because of things that had happened. You know, you wanted to put to bed all the. Uh, the negative chat or the negative thoughts in your own mind to think you know it's done you can't do this anymore um, you needed to to put it all to bed and uh, achieve something that you'd you know you'd, you maybe thought sometimes it uh, had finally gone comes Murley Bills and Triscothi's got his hundred as he sweeps out to the mid-wicket you can hear what the crowd think of it Pulisicker fields just one run down to the deep mid-wicket boundary Triscothi 16 falls and a 6 in his 100 on his return to the England side of 171 balls in 245 minutes and that is his 14th test 100 for England and his third against Sri Lanka and it's almost like relief I think more than anything else just to um, remember the feeling of succeeding um, overcoming the fact that you've had a lot of issues that have been going on that everyone's been talking about uh, and finally you've sort of gone yes I can, I'm can. i still good enough to do this I can still cope with all the problems I've put that all to bed uh, and we can move on and just sort of play cricket now um, obviously that wasn't going to be the case but that very moment in time it felt like um, you were king of the world of course you were and then that evening after the close of play you, you also you got a double ovation didn't you because you, you got out for 106 mm. but that was um, a particularly warm response from the Lord's crowd as mm. you walked off uh, of course it was yeah it generally is obviously when you when you've succeeded um, at that point but I think everyone appreciated also the the backstory to to what's happened um, and the things that had gone on before as Murley bows to him he goes oh he's caught a slip caught by Jaya Wardner a nice neat catch very similar really to Strauss's dismissal uh, well over two hours ago he pushed forward he got an edge it was slightly fuller in length and this time, no doubt, the Triscothic was playing at it. And it was neatly taken, about shin height, by Jaya Wardner, this very, very skillful slip fielder. In fact, it was lower than that, so it was another very good catch by Mahila Jaya Wardner. And England have lost their second wicket at 213. Who knows whether it was a lapse of concentration or just one that turned a little bit more. But Triscothic 
has made his 100 on his return to the side. And just for a second before Jeff Boycott comes in, let's hear the reception he's getting from a crowd who've got to their feet to applaud him. You know, going home then, going back to the hotel afterwards was was a really nice feeling. My wife was there with my first child, um, just relaxing, sitting back, and almost again, just that that feeling of elation to know that um, I've, I've succeeded with all the with the hard com- hard shit that I've had to deal with along the way. So, because of everything that happened before, I think what made it even more special the fact that you. Um, you'd fought so much, not just um, playing against oppositions and, and things. You, you'd fought a lot of things and demons that go through your mind and questions that you ask yourself um, and still not really understanding what, what was going on. You know, I was sort of up and down, up and down throughout the start of the season. But, you know, suddenly you've got 100 at Lords and that is, you know, that's a, not a career-defining career moment, but it's a big uh, pressure off because you can, it's almost to, uh, saying to yourself, you've still got the ability to do it, even with so much has happened before. At the time, did you feel that that was it? Or were you, did you think this was the beginning of a new chapter? Yeah, I, I think I probably thought that I, it was the start of it all happening again, you know, the fact that it was going to be all okay. Um, coming back from India f- felt like a distant past at that time. Um, I'm all okay. I'd say I'm in England. It's all all right. I'm comfortable here. Yeah. Little did I know, obviously, the pressures would completely change again once I tried to go to uh, Australia the following following winter. Um, but, yeah, it's disappointed that that was my last one because I obviously expected that it would carry on a lot more after that. But uh, um, not a bad way to go out, I guess. Following home series against Sri Lanka and Pakistan that summer, Marcus still doesn't feel ready to go to India for the Champions Trophy. Instead, he targets a return to touring for the Ashes down under in the winter of 2006. However, after just two tour games in Australia, he flies home with a recurrence of the illness. So, was it too much too soon? It might have been better just to try and take a bit more time but I, I I think gradually over the course of that summer in 06 that I felt like I almost got a bit of control over what was happening um, and starting to you know to deal with the, with the issues but um, I felt almost that I needed to get back on and just get into the grind of it quickly but otherwise the longer I left it the, the harder it was going to become if you kept putting things off and trying to I'll do the next one I'll do the next one I'll do the next one that it might be it might become tricky but um, a lot of people were talking about maybe I could just play home test matches or I could just play in England and, and do it that way but it was never going to be the case you you had to commit to it fully yeah um, to be able to to get back on the road and and travel the world like you, you like the guys do well it's funny you mentioned that because you know in this this day and age you may well have had a career as say a one day specialist in the fact that you know in for mm. England now it's it's divided up so much yeah. you know the, mm. the hierarchy now is happy I mean they encourage players to be one day specialist test yeah. specialist T20 do you mm. think you were in that sense maybe just slightly before your time if you'd mm. have if you'd have been playing now they could have said look Marcus maybe don't, a don't play bit. tests maybe a little bit I think you could have been looking at it with a bit more planning and, and understanding um Back in the time when I was playing, I was playing all formats of the game uh, and consistently there wasn't many periods where I could get a great deal of rest because I guess we all wanted to play every game. We weren't rested for as much as what it is now. The guys are given sort of little series off here and there, aren't they? I think I missed a series in 
um, Namibia and Zimbabwe, I think. In I can't remember what year it was. Um, so I was given that little period away. Um, but it might be it might have been different though because of the whole structure and people understand that mental well being is a is a vitally important part. Uh, of the guys who who tour and play a, a good period of time now that they have to give them that little bit of break mental break more than anything else where they can just be at home and just be normal for a little bit um, period of time uh, and then come back into it and, and get their brain engaged again so um, it might it could have been different we we don't know we'll obviously we'll sit back and uh, and and ask the questions all the time yeah you can well it's one of those questions that it's with hindsight everything's mm. much easier of, of course, course. Yeah. yeah indeed um moving on to sort of 2008 you 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 end your england career then you you put a line in the sand mm. um reading in your book there's a lovely moment where you go back to lords to accept an award on behalf of vodafone for yeah. um, a player award and you walk up into that home dressing room mm. um in the in the lords pavilion can you just talk me through that moment mm. Yeah, it was obviously quite a nice uh, occasion to be there because obviously you've been rewarded for your your service to to the England team from uh, the the major sponsor that was involved. They were quite, Vodafone quite heavily involved at that time with uh, with players. So, but it was nice just to just to spend a little couple of minutes just sort of taking in what it was really all about. The you know more than just the game um, of what I was seeing. There's more history and more things that have happened at the ground for to understand that. Um, I've just touched the the history of the game at that yeah. point, you know, um, and then you're leaving it on for somebody else to to take on after that point. It was never never to be uh, my home change room anymore. It was always going to be, um, it was always only ever going to be in the away change room from that point on. Um, but yeah, just a nice, just a little couple of minutes just to take it all in, look through the look through the doors out onto the balcony, sit in the spot where you did, um, almost relive the moments that you had there. Do you ever take the Somerset lads in there now and say, just just nip down the corridor to look at the uh, home dressing room no, no, and meet Scothic up there a couple no, of times? I've not <laughs> taken any of the players into there. Well, obviously, we, there's quite a number of dinners and obviously yeah. we've got fellow players that have testimonial events there. Um, I quite like nipping back up there with a few of the guys who are on the tables with me. Um, it's quite nice because all the all the doormen and all the people around there still treat you like an absolute king and still treat you like... Uh, like you're one of the somebody who lives there almost, you know. So they'll say, "Can I just nip up in the chain?" Yeah, yeah, no problem. So they go and get the key, open it up. You nip, walk out into there, so sit down with the guys, and you, God, this is where he used to change. This is where he used to change. This is where I used to change. And there's the honours boards, and you open up the doors and look out onto the onto the balconies. Generally, it's quite dark at that time, but um, <laughs> they get that special feeling of you know because they appreciate the history it still gives me that same sort of buzz because it's still uh, reminiscing of the times when I used to be in there quite a, quite a good period of time he's still enjoying a successful career with Somerset 23 years and 24,000 runs after he made his first class debut just coming on to 2016 it was another award at Lords. it was uh, the then uh, MCC media manager Neil Priscott uh, called mm. you up and asked you to ring the five minute bell yeah that no, was very nice <laughs> ladies and gentlemen ringing the five minute bell a great pleasure to welcome one of the gentlemen of the game Marcus Triscothic got the train up purely to just to, to pop into Lords to ring the bell and I think I was in Lords for about an hour <laughs> and I went straight back home back on the train and came back in but um, it's those sort of moments isn't it that you see and you watch people on the TV ring the bell um and you don't want to ring the bell anybody anywhere else in the in the world, really. There are obviously special other grounds which are, are nice to do it, but the home of cricket is the is the pivotal moment. It can't get any better than that. 
Thanks so much for your time today. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. It feels odd that um, we've sat and discussed your England career and barely talked about the 05 Ashes. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably not normal for you, that one. Um, but just remind me, it's your, it's your testimonial year at the moment. So mm. um, uh, what have you got planned? Uh, various events. So we've, we've not done a great deal of yet. It's obviously quite tricky. You know, you start the first part of the year sort of planning everything that's going on. Um, we had the launch event um, in April, early April, which was brilliant. We had... Um, Boise from Only Fools and Horses, um, mm-hmm. a friend of mine. A long room dinner in uh, in October. Uh, we're doing a bike ride for the Children's Hospice Southwest, one of the charities that we're um, supporting over the year, along with the PCA Benevolent Fund. So we're doing a bike ride in uh, the second week in October yeah. uh, for five days. Um, something we've done a lot over the last few years is bike rides rain, raising money, either with the PCA Benevolent Fund, uh, bike rides in the Tom Maynard Trust, or we've done various ones down this way our own. So... Um, they're great fun and, and then there's many other events over the course of the summer but you can always check them out across our Twitter page if that's where you, you hang out or yeah. on, on the websites um, that people can find online So, what are those? good question <laughs> Yeah, you're testing me now right online um, just type it in we'll Marcus, find it, yeah. Mar- Marcus, Marcus just got the testimonial and just you'll, Google it. you'll see it it will come up somewhere I'm hoping so yeah that's that's absolutely fantastic and um, just to finish off on 26 years going strong mm. um, you're 42 you're still playing um, mm. retirement still staving it off uh, I'm beating <laughs> it off every day I reckon um, just sort of not um, just hanging in yeah. Hanging in. It, it's been a real tricky start to the season. The, the pitches, obviously, whether this is the weather preparation over the course of the year, just leading up to the start of the season, obviously getting snow games snowed off because yeah. it was just it was obviously a late dropping of snow. Um, you know, so you know the, the knees hurt, the ankles hurt, the back hurts. Most <laughs> days, you just sort of crack on and get going, get the body loose, and, and then it, it sort of disappears a bit. But um, the energy is still there in the mind. Uh, I still feel like I'm 22 running around. It just doesn't quite happen like it like it used to. Um, and then you have to fight hard. You know, gone are the days where Taunton used to be a bowler's graveyard. It's either spinning around corners or at this current time, it's seeming quite a lot. So um, a bit of work to do uh, and hopefully get some results soon. Well, good luck and um, good luck if with the rest of the career I mean it's seen, mm. it's so long that you've been playing now and um, yeah. you've been a mainstay for so many cricket fans throughout there. Well, I guess being fans of the game and watching mm. you, it's, um, yeah. it's really quite remarkable. Yeah, thank you very much. I, I loved every minute of it and hopefully continue to love it for, for a period of time yet. You've been listening to the Lord's Cricket Podcast with the stories from the home of cricket and the people that made them. That was Marcus Truscothic on his final test century, which was here at Lord's. Such a genuine and nice guy to speak with. I really did enjoy that. Um, it's his second testimonial year at the moment. I'm not really sure how you get two testimonials, but if you do, um, I guess Marcus Truscothic probably deserves it more than most. If anything, he can have three, if you ask me. Um, I've included the link to his testimonial page in the liner notes of this podcast, if you want to find out more about that. Um, I hope you enjoyed the podcast it was as ever great fun to record 
please do give the show a rating. It does help to get the podcast out there. And also, just do it the old-fashioned way. Tell a friend about it. Um, pass on the messages. Um, subscribe to the podcast too. You can do that on all your usual podcast providers. Also, follow us on Twitter. We're at Home of Cricket for more updates on the podcast. And me personally, I'm at WillRow2. You can also contact the show by email. Just simply email podcast at mcc.org.uk. And also, as ever, a big thanks to the BBC and ECB for providing those commentary clips. Jonathan Agnew and Henry Blofeld, um, always good to hear them, really bringing the clips, uh, well, really bringing the podcast to life even. Right, next week's episode is with Alan Donald, White Lightning, a childhood hero of mine, Donald v Atherton at Trent Bridge in 1998, is still one of the most electrifying jewels in sport I think I've ever seen. We of course chat about that, as well as South Africa's return to England in 1994, where Donald, as you might expect, takes a five-wicket haul and gets on the honours boards here at Lord's. It was amazing to sit down with one of the greatest quick bowlers of modern times and pick his brains about his career as you'd expect he had some brilliant stories to tell so that's next week's lord's cricket podcast with alan donald thanks for listening